Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there! It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black matt norlander is here with me if you're watching on youtube smash the like button like your brain and davies you have consent if you haven't yet subscribed to the cbs sports college basketball youtube channel also do that while you're here okay let's get into it so as you know carmelo anthony officially retired uh, this week which prompted those of us at uh, cbs sports to start an internal debate in Slack about the best one-and-done players of all time. Then um, Cameron Salerno uh, posted the top 10 at CBSSports.com. We're going to get into that in a second. But first, Deadleg, you wrote a column about Melo. It was um, an easy seven-minute read. So you're getting better. And in that Mm -hmm. column, you make the argument that Melo's lasting legacy is not as a nugget or a nick or a member of four Olympic gold medal winning teams as much as it is his one year at Syracuse where he led the orange to the 2003 national championship. Convince me. When I, well, as I wrote there, when I say Carmelo Anthony, I think for more people than not, the first image that might spring to mind is Mello uh, in a Syracuse uniform where, and we're going to get to, uh, the best one and done uh, showings ever. Um, I think you can make the argument that Carmelo Anthony's single season at Syracuse is the most culturally significant one and done showing. Um, there's a good debate whether or not he should be number one on the list in terms of what he actually uh, did statistically, how good he was as a college player. But in the bigger picture, what he did at Syracuse, I think sets the table for the players that came. He wasn't the first one and done player, uh, but he was the first one and done player to really change the paradigm of how freshmen were covered. The potential for freshmen to be significantly impactful players and, and and major focal points, um, on a team, you know, Carmelo Anthony was not a second or not a first team All American. He was a second team All American, and in retrospect, that's the wrong decision. I'll get to why once we bring up Melo on on my list of top fifteen overall. Uh, but there's one player that made the first team that season that should not have made it over Carmelo Anthony. But that goes to speak to where we were 19 years ago in college basketball, 
freshmen just did not receive those types of honors typically. Um, he had a very, very good NBA career. Finished ninth. Right now, he sits ninth all-time in scoring. He'll eventually drop because Kevin Durant, barring you know the unforeseen, is going to pass him. But still, retires as the ninth-best scorer in the history of the NBA. Um, obviously, had a lot of great highs with the Olympic team. But you know he never made a finals. He made one conference finals one year with the Nuggets. Um, but his big success came at Syracuse, getting Bayheim in that program. It's only championship. It's the defining part of his legacy, in my opinion. It's not the only part. Uh, you know, one of the better scores and shooters we've seen in basketball in the past two decades, one of the better ones, no doubt about it. But um, considering that Syracuse is only national championship and might only be it's <laughs> we might look up in 100 years. Well, we won't because we won't be here. But, uh, you know, it would not surprise me if Syracuse doesn't win another national championship again, which isn't to say the program can't or won't. It just won't surprise me. They're very hard to do. I think that legacy and getting Beheim that national championship is why, to me, it's the most predominant. And at the end of that column, I also made the point that I think that Carmelo is not just someone whose legacy might be um, a Hall of Famer specifically. He's the rare example of a Hall of Famer whose legacy is not just predominantly or significantly attached to his time in college, but can you think of a player who is a Hall of Fame level player who had more of, of his reputation attached to a shorter period of time. It's not like Carmelo had this amazing three, four year college career. It is a one and done season and looking on, you know, almost two decades later to me, that still that shines brighter than anything he did at the NBA level. Okay. I don't entirely disagree. Um, I get all your points. I, I will say while I'm talking, pull up a list of all time scoring leaders in the NBA because in a vacuum, I think in most cases, it is really hard to argue that a 10-time NBA All-Star and a top 10 score of all time is best known for something he did while in college. What's no, the again, big mellow moment from the NBA? Genuinely asking. No, I'm, the, I, no yeah. I, I'm, like, and I'm not asking you. I'm just saying that as you say no. that, people think, well, maybe his comparison got a point. Think about Carmelo at the NBA level. What stands out? Uh, the way he behaved in Linsanity, as I pointed out in the column, he once dropped 62 for the Knicks. Can you tell me who he did it against and what year it even happened? So for whatever reason, a lot of this stuff at the professional level, though Melo was good, often criticized, I just don't think has the same long-lasting impact. Right. I, I see your point. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, if it is true that a player who had the success, not team success, but certainly individual success that Melo had in the NBA, if it is true that he is still known more for what he did in college than what he did in the NBA, that is wildly unusual. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Because let me ask you this. If you got that list out, scroll through it because I did. Any uh, other, any see, other, can, can I trivia time myself? You said top 10 all-time NBA scores? No, I'm just saying, like, here, here's the question, and then you, you can okay. look through it and try to figure it out. Okay. Can you think of any other, let's take top 25 score in the history of the NBA who is best known for what he did in college? That's kind of why I wrote the column, GP. Like, the I only one I looked at... I was half the desire to, to do it because it's like, man, here's this, here's this guy that should be first ballot, and the reason why I think he should be first ballot was because of what he did at Syracuse. It's the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. And in thinking that, it's like, man, this is a super weird case where he had a really good NBA career, but I don't know, man. It's still what he did in college all the way down the road. All right, let me, let me bring well, it up. No, well, let, well, here's what I would say to that is um, I agree that what he did in college will play a role in him being a first ballot Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer, I 
don't think it's the reason he's going to be a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. The reason he's going to be a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer is because he's a 10-time All-Star, top yeah, 10 all-time I'm scorer. Saying, I'm saying if he goes to Syracuse, they lose in the Sweet 16, he's not making the first paddle Hall of Fame. I'm not yes, he I, I yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I will push back on that. Yeah. You take Carmelo Anthony, put him at Syracuse, they lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and then he has the exact same NBA career. He is a first ballot. Yeah, I would agree with that. I meant Naismith more like... I meant more if he was an average college player. Like there is some pushback. Take, how about this? Take out. take Carmelo. Don't even put him in college. All right, erase it. He never went to college. He's a first ballot Nace Memorial Hall of Famer based on ten being a top ten all- scorer, ten time All Star, and four time Olympic gold medalist. He yeah, did. Like the here's the thing. Major. Yeah. This, he that that is among the reasons. But he could he would be in the Hall of Fame without Syracuse. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, for sure. Yes. Here's what I would say. Without Syracuse, he is still a first ballot Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. Without his accomplishments in the NBA, he's not. He's in the Hall. He will go in the Hall of Fame first ballot because he what he he did in the NBA. The Syracuse thing is just like a cherry on the top. But even without that, he would be first ballot Hall of Famer in the NBA. I mean, because of what he did in the NBA. Um. I don't disagree with that. I think some are slow to that because didn't have a ton of team, team success, never was a first-team All-NBA guy, made one conference finals, never made a finals. I, there is there's a pushback against that, but whatever. I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah, to, your, to your thing, top 25, yeah. I think the player you're referring to, 24th on the all-time list, is Ewing at Georgetown. That's, the, that's the only one I thought you could maybe make the case for. Another top 25 score in NBA history who yeah. might be known more for what he did in college. And... That was, you know, Patrick Ewing was a monster in college, one of the best college players of all time, um, won a national championship. He was there for four years. When I think of Patrick Ewing, even though he was the number one pick in the draft, um, incredible NBA player, the starting center on the original dream team, all that stuff, I do think of Georgetown when I think of Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and that part of that's like, it's how you grew up watching the game, and there's a lot of influence over there, and then I totally... I totally get that. And Mello's, Mello's one-and-done season was something really special. And as I was writing the column and thinking back to it, and I did have, like, I was able to see him. I had, you know, I had friends that attended Syracuse at that time. I took many trips up there to watch uh, to watch games. Shouts to Craig Forth. And, oh, by the way, like, Jerry McNamara was a pretty awesome freshman in his own regard. So Mello was the reason they won the title. But, you know, McNamara was huge. Hakeem Warwick was a major factor on that as well. So I don't want to completely rewrite history here. It's not like Carmelo uh, absolutely carried that team. If I McNamara had six threes in the first half, the final four, if I remember correctly. And um, he had he had a good cast around him. But it did feel as that tournament kind of went on and and. Syracuse knocked off four Big 12 teams to become the national champions and the Big 12 champions uh, all in one fell swoop there. It felt like they were cresting towards something like this did not feel like a fairy tale. It felt like Syracuse and Bayheim should probably get one. And this is going to be the year because they've got undoubtedly the best freshman in the country. McNamara is this awesome uh, wingman that just came in in the same class as him works a great defender, uh, you know, uh, Dwayne was a really solid player. They had they had enough pieces around him, but looking back, it was a it was a really cool time. And to me, even though there were really good freshmen before him, obviously, but not many, very very many one and done kind of freshmen. To me, Carmelo Anthony is the player that opened the door for the likes of guys that we'll get to on the list. Obviously, like 
Kevin Durant and Kevin Love and Michael Beasley and Derek Rose and others to come. Different kind of players, but Mello was the guy that also changed the coverage of the sport to say, just because you're a freshman, because they're obviously GP, as you well know, for a long, long time, freshman one didn't get the minutes. And so that impacted, uh, you know, how impactful they were overall. But then when they were good, with the occasional exception, uh, the media, Mike DeCourcy wrote about this as well. Um, they did not give freshmen the benefit of the doubt. That changed forever after Mello's freshman season at Syracuse. I covered his first game and his last game at Syracuse. Because uh, the first game, the first game was actually also my first game as a full-time beat writer. It was Memphis-Syracuse, November 14, 2002. Um, I went and found the AP story from that game. Okay. Here's, here's the lead from it. Do you, as you read this, mm-hmm. to me, as I, write my, as I wrote my column, I remember that game being all sorts of tons of hype about Mello. Do you, from the Memphis side of it, do you kind of, when you think back on that, do you do as well? Because I remember there being a bunch, a bunch of hype about Syracuse has this dude who's going to be the guy, and he stepped up and they, uh, and he immediately, he, you know, he showed why. Oh, the week before the game, I did a phoner with Mello. Did you really? Yeah. yeah, like they handed him the phone after practice. Like, you know, the way it was described to me is as soon as he gets off the court, we'll hand him the phone and you can talk to him forever. I'm going to talk to him. So I did a phoner with Bayheim as the Memphis beat writer at the Commercial Appeal and then a phoner with Mello and wrote, a, if I remember, I mean, I wouldn't have done the, I don't remember what I wrote, what I said, but I, I know that I talked to Carmelo before his first game at Syracuse and, and, and Jim as well. And um, yes, he was he was hyped as this in, incredible prospect because um, this was a time when guys like him were not coming to college and he decided to to come to college. And so it was a big deal. And then, you know, Memphis won the game and. Here's the I found the AP story lead. Here's what it said. For openers, Memphis and Syracuse put a couple of hotshot freshmen in Madison Square in the Madison Square Garden spotlight in the first major college basketball game of the season Thursday night. And Jeremy Hunt and Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony shrugged off the pressure. Hunt and Memphis won the freshman showdown 70-63 after letting a 17-point lead melt away when Anthony put on a one-man show, scoring 15 straight first half points he finished with 27 and 11 jeremy hunt got 19 memphis won the game by seven and then their their careers went dramatically different ways they uh memphis memphis went on to get they got ike diagoed in the ncaa tournament later that year and of course syracuse goes on to win the national championship very much indeed. All right. Uh, best one and done seasons. Want to get into it? Yeah, we'll discuss some of the players on our list of the best one and done players in history. We're going to do that next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So in connection with Carmelo Anthony announcing his retirement, we threw together a list of the sport's best one-and-done players. The list we published um, is not exactly the way I would have done it. I know it's not exactly the way you would have done it. But at number one on that list, published at CBSSports.com, is former Kentucky star Anthony Davis. Is it clear to you he should be number one? Clear? Um, not clear. I think there's a real debate to be had. Do you want to go this? Do you want to do this one down to the bottom? Or you want to? You want to go reverse order here? Well, to- yeah. Let's just take it from the top. Um, okay. I, I, I've, got, I've got Davis one. I think I probably would, too, because he checks every box. He was the best player in the country who also won a national championship. He averaged 14.2 points, 10.4 rebounds. I didn't remember this part. 4.7 blocks. I remember that part. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's, that's outrageous um, for a team that won the national championship. My favorite thing about that team is that Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist mm-hmm. went first and second in the NBA draft. And we're fourth and fifth in shots, shots on the game. season at Kentucky. Trivia time. Who led Kentucky in shots that year? Um, Bledsoe? Not on the team. Oh, wasn't on the 12 team? No, Bledsoe was on the 2010 team with John Wall. Got Devin Downey, Wait, you I might doing? remember. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, Kid Gil- uh, I actually thought Davis was sixth. Um, it was, I believe they were fourth and fifth. Okay. Uh, so 11, 12, that would, in have fact, been, I know they were fourth and fifth. I've got the number. Oh, uh, um, Terrence Jones was on that team. He was second on the team in shots at 354 on the season. Kid Gilchrist Davis, Terrence Jones, um, Deron lamb was on that team. I'm going to say Deron lamb is the answer. 369 shots. Deron lamb led Kentucky in shots that season, followed by Terrence Jones, then Marcus Teague, then Marcus Anthony Davis. Teague. Of course, I always forget about Teague. Then Marcus Teague. It was Anthony Davis. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was fifth. So they all took in the 300s, but it is true. Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist were first and second in the draft, but fourth and fifth in shots on their own team. If you value like the total package, statistically dominant, national player of the year who also won a national championship, yeah, sure. Um, Anthony Davis deserves if you, you take the whole thing into account anthony davis probably deserves to be labeled as um the player who had the greatest one and done season ever here is how i am defining this okay. i am defining this as the best one and done players okay so with that i am taking into how good you were as a player your statistical accomplishments and uh, this doesn't have an overwhelming amount of weight but the fact that Anthony Davis won the national title is why I put him first. Yes, consensus first-team All-American, freshman of the year, player of the year, final four mop, number 12 all-time in PER, according to sports reference, uh, and also averaged a steal and a half per game while shooting 62.3% from the floor. He, and then became the number one pick because of all this. He was the best one-and-done player, in my opinion. Number two, I have Zion Williamson, okay? Zion Williamson, it feels like because his NBA career has been such a disappointment so far that people are starting to try and rewrite just how ridiculous he was. Consensus first-team All-American, freshman of the year, player of the year, 
the single season all-time efficiency record, and that goes back to 0203 at College Sports Reference. So, you know, I'm Walton and, and uh, Alcindor probably have that, but for the data we have, it's Zion. He's one. Oh, by the way, Edie is now two with the season he just had. Zion averaged 22.6 points, 8.9 snags, 2.1 assists, 2.1 steals, 1.8 blocks, shot 68% from the field, 38% from three, was an upper-tier defender, and the biggest force on both ends of the floor combined, in my opinion, that the sport had seen in an era. He did it for a Duke team that was seeded number one, had a fellow elite draft pick on the team. His name escapes me at the moment. Yes, R.J. Barrett. Barrett. They lost in the lead eight to Michigan State. Um, any last five games to injury. If you told me right now I had any player when they were in college to have on my team, you know, the classic, we're on a playground. I have everyone. I got Carmelo three. I'm taking Zion. Zion Williamson was a more dominant college player than Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, again, he had the more significant career. He had the championship. Carmelo Anthony was not a better pl- college player than Zion Williamson, who won player of the year. Carmelo did not, nor should he have. If Zion and Duke would have won a national championship, is Zion atop this list now? He's atop the list if Duke wins the title. Yes. I, th- I think so, too. Um, you went through everything. He was just an absolute monster for a team that was the a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, totally reasonable to have him at number two. Number three on the list that we published at CBSSports.com was Carmelo Anthony. We've been through that. Makes well, sense. hold on real quick on this, though. Here's the, here's, here's the thing on Melo. Shot 45%, 33.7% from three. He was good, but he wasn't overly efficient. Here was the first team that season. Nick Collison should have been first team. TJ Ford, definitely first team. Dwayne Wade, definitely first team. David West, unquestionably first team. But the one guy that made first team that should not have been on it, Josh Howard from Wake Forest. If you go and look at Howard's stats, he was a senior. It was obviously held against Carmelo Anthony that he was a freshman. In retrospect, this is like... This is like a movie that, or, you know, an Oscar list of best movies and, and one that's still relevant 15 years later, didn't even make the list versus something that, you know, that uh, or did make the list versus something that, you know, is very popular now that didn't at the time. Josh Howard was a really, really good college player. Should not have been first team that season over Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo is third on my list, although there have been when we posted that list. A lot of people think it should be Carmelo number one. And I get why. I, again, I think that speaks to more how he did it, when he did it and the significance, the, sim- the symbolism with all that. But Carmelo Anthony was not a better college player than Zion Williamson or Anthony Davis. No, and that's the thing. Like Melo can be high on this list because he did win a national championship as the undeniable best player as yes. a one-and-done uh, student-athlete. But Anthony Davis also won the championship and was statistically better. Um, I, you know, uh, Zion was statistically better even if – he didn't win the national championship. So I'd be comfortable if you want to move Melo up to number two, but I don't think there's any intelligent argument you can make that Melo should be ahead of Anthony Davis on a list like this. Okay. Number four, and this is a guy, if like winning matters, so I, you know, it's why Anthony Davis would top my list. And if Zion had won a title, he would be ahead of Anthony Davis. The, the, what you do from a team perspective should matter, and it does. But if the question is simply, who was the most awesome statistic? Who was the most awesome college basketball player as a one and done? You can make an argument for Michael Beasley. And this is the like while this debate was going on in Slack, I was doing another show, so I didn't have too much time to get into it. I was preoccupied. 
But I did argue that Beasley should have been higher, and I think you did too, than he initially was listed, and should definitely be higher than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was the flashier one and done. Michael Beasley was better. Michael Beasley was a better college basketball player than Kevin Durant. This is so we'll do both here. So on my list and on the list that that was tweeted out on the CBS Sports CBB Twitter account and all on social, it is Beasley four, Kevin Durant five. I think that's fair. And I think this is the upper tier. These are the five best. If you want to switch the orders, whatever, but we're going to tell you why Beasley needs to be four and Durant needs to be five. Beasley, consensus first team All-American and freshman of the year. Did not win national player he of the should year. Have. He should have. He should have. Only because? Tyler Hansborough. Hansborough got it. But, the, and should he have though, GP? Yes. No, no. Beasley, I voted Beasley national player of the year. He should have been national player of the year. All right, so K-State was 21-12 and 12 and 11 seed that didn't reach the second weekend. Carolina went to the Final Four. Traditionally, you would vote for Hansborough in that spot, but you did not that season. Has, UNC was no. a one seed. UNC no, was I, a one seed. Dude, you take Michael Beasley That's and right. put him at North yeah. Carolina and take Tyler Hansborough and put him at Kansas State, and I, I think Beasley still winning a national championship. Okay. Okay. And well, by, by the way, by the way, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they went to the final four. Put yeah. Beasley on that North Carolina team, and I think they're going to the final four. And you put Hansborough on uh, that Kansas State team, and I think they're doing about what Kansas State did. Oh, that's a great what if. Um, probably true. Beasley's numbers obviously would not have been as good because they were outrageous. Outrageous. First of all, his win shares, 10.74, is the fourth most since 95, 96, period. And not among freshmen, among any player per sports reference. 26.2 points, 12.4 rebounds. Um, just outrageous. I think because it's K-State, they weren't a great team. Now, Beasley, like, if you are under the age of 25 and listen to this podcast, first of all, we love our young crew, shouts. You, you, you really probably can't appreciate just how absurd Michael Beasley was at Kansas State. Like, it was every damn night. I don't think there's an argument personally. It's beastly above KD because GP, as you well know, and have written about and talked about KD came on the scene and was incredible. And then what happened a year later, GP Beasley broke all his records. He broke all the records. And it's not like he narrowly got past them. He beat all of them easily. It's not, it's not deniable. It's because it's K state. And because they weren't even like a five or a 60, they were 11. I think that's why he gets a little less credit all these years later than he should. Michael Beasley, number four, one and done player on my list. I average to average 26.2 points, 12.4 rebounds, 1.6 blocks. So KD set all these freshman Big 12 records, and then Beasley came in right behind him and broke them. He averaged more points than KD, more rebounds than KD, and he did it for a similar type of team in the same league. You know, Texas finished. 25th at Ken Palm in 2007. Kansas State finished 26th at Ken Palm in 2008. So KD was flashier, but Be Easy was statistically the better player. I agree. It should be Beasley, four, Durant, five. And then I think I also agree that the guy who was listed at six should be six, and that's Jalil Okafor. Average 17.3 points, 8.5 rebounds, 1.4 blocks and won a national championship. Um, he was the best player as a freshman on a national championship team. I, I think if we're trying to figure out the list of people who've done that, 
Is it? We've talked about them all. Yeah, it's Carmelo and Anthony. One, it's one and done players. There are three of them. Yes. Yeah, it's Kev. It's uh, it's uh, Carmelo Anthony. It's Anthony Davis, and it's Jalil Okafor. His NBA career, you know, went the way it went, but he was an awesome college player. And yeah, like sixth on this list is probably where he belongs. I don't want to just brush past KD entirely. I get to both of these guys. One, KD was the first freshman to win consensus national player of the year. Not insignificant. Um, that was also major. And then Durant, when he, when Durant was doing what he was doing, um, it, he really became a sensation. So in my opinion, the four one and done players that felt like they culturally mattered the most, we've now all talked about Zion, Mellow, A.D. Durant, I think are the four that just created the most interest and attention on college basketball. That being said, I have KD behind Beasley. And then I have Okafor 6. So I do have Okafor 6 because consensus, first team All-American, freshman of the year, ACC player of the year, and average 17.3 points, 8.5 rebounds, 66.4% from the floor. And what Paris mentioned, I don't think should be taken lightly. As a freshman, now he didn't win MOP, highest, and that's right, but he was the best player on a national championship winning team as a freshman, the final title of Coach K's career. And when we talk about this list, you have to eliminate every day after that player finished college. That's not it's it's all about what you did when you were in college. To me, Okafor was the sixth best player. Can I mention my seventh and we'll compare it what's actually on the seventh list? Sure. Seventh. All right. I have Trey Young at seven. Consensus first team All-American and the freshman of the year. The only player in the history of the sport to lead the country in points and assists. 27.4 points, 8.7 assists per game. He tied the, uh, the NCAA single game record for assists during that season. He also was the first player in more than two decades to have a 20 and 20 game. And Trey Young broke... KD and then Beasley's freshman record for most points scored. He did flame out in the tournament. Flame out's really not totally kind. Rhode Island just they knocked him out, and so it ended the way it ended. And the final few weeks of his career, like they started going the wrong way. But Trey Young was an absolute sensation. It hit the point where ESPN, to the chagrin of many college sports fans, was having Trey Young trackers on its on its screens when non Oklahoma games were going on. All right, but Trey, when you lead the nation. In points and assists, that is an all-time one-and-done season. To me, that's number seven. That's fine with me. Um, we're getting to the part of the list that I, I don't feel strongly about. I think you could, I think you could reasonably do these in a lot of different orders. But like, and Trey Young is on the 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 page of of reasonable people to put uh, right after Okafor at seven on the list that we published at CBSSports.com. Number seven is Derrick Rose, and I think that's wrong. I think that's too high. I have Derrick Rose 11th on my list. Yeah, I think seven's too high for Derrick Rose. talk Rose right now? Well, yeah. So, like, I lived through that, right? Um, you know, I was, I was around it every day. And the truth is, people remember Derrick Rose in the NCAA tournament, which was an all-time great run through the NCAA tournament. Go look at Derrick Rose's game log through the NCAA tournament. He ate people up. But he was not a consensus first-team All-American. He was not a consensus second-team All-American. He was a third-team All-American for most not people. Not even a consensus All-American no. on the third team. Yeah. He averaged 14.9 points, 4.7 assists, 4.5 rebounds, 1.2 steals for a team that, 
you know, only lost twice and, and made the national championship game. But Chris Douglas Roberts was the consensus first team All-American off of that Memphis team. And I know this sounds stupid in hindsight, and it felt stupid in real time. But I can just tell you there were conversations happening in Memphis in certain parts early that season where people were wondering, should Andre Allen be starting at point guard instead of Derrick Rose? I acknowledge. I, I, I have faint memories, but I actually do remember that. That's, that was yeah. a, like it was a real. It was a, I mean, it was a dumb conversation, but it was an actual conversation. It happened because like Derek went through a stretch. There's a 12 game stretch, like December, January, I think, where he was held to single digits six times in a 12 game stretch. And my recollection of that, like Derek's personality, because it wasn't like he went with a bunch of other five star freshmen to Memphis and built this team. All these guys were 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Joey Dorsey was like 25. He was inhibited, right? He was an inhibited kind of guy. I I believe he just tried to fit in for much of that season and just play his role and let the older guys do what they did. You know, Antonio Anderson, I don't have the – but I, I feel like Antonio Anderson was like 22. CDR was like 22. Joey was like 24. Dozier was like 22. It was Derrick Rose and a bunch of older guys. And – he just he was hesitant to just take off and take over. My understanding of what happened at some point is that this is at least what I was told is that John Calipari sat down with him right before the NCAA tournament and said, if we win a national championship, it will be because of you go. It's time to go. Stop deferring to your teammates. Take over. And that's when he took off. I mean, he was taking balls. I, I remember after Memphis beat whoever they beat in the Elite Eight, um, the following week, they were getting ready to play UCLA in the Final Four. And I was working on a column, and I got on the phone with Ben Howland. And, it, you know, it was normal stuff, you know, at the beginning of any conversation. Hey, how you been? What's good? Congratulations on everything. And I said, so, uh, so what do you think? He said, Gary, I wish I could do a Ben Howland impression. Rothstein actually has a great one. He's like, Gary, I'm telling you, I just watched this dude talking about Derrick Rose, take the ball off the rim. And if you pause it, there are nine people between him and the other goal. And he beat every one of them down the court with the ball. He said, I've never seen, this is a different level guy. And I've told you the story about Antonio Anderson uh, telling me about when he first realized Derrick was athletic, super like a different level athlete. They were at the, like this club, that, which isn't far from me. I'm here at FedEx Forum now. And um, they got into a squirmish, as those guys tended to, to, to do back then. And apparently, like, Joey punched somebody or something. And uh, they were all, like, in the outside patio area of the bar. And so they knew, like, they had been through this enough. Like, once Joey punches somebody, we got to get out of there. Mm-hmm. This wasn't the first time. <laughs> they, they, they had drilled for this. Yeah. And so – Joey punches somebody and then everybody has to run from the patio through the bar to get out to, you know, to their cars and go home. And Antonio's telling me the story. He said, GP, this is when I knew D Rose was different. It ain't when he was in the gym. It ain't nothing about basketball. He said, Joey hit this guy and we all took off through the bar and Derek just jumped over the fence on the patio and he was waiting on us at the car and we're like d rose how'd you get out of here so quick he's like i just jumped a fence and they're like jump climbed it he's like no i just jumped it 
He's like, GP, if you go look at this fence, you should not be able to jump it. And this dude just leaped over it. And that's when I knew Derrick Rose was different. <laughs> if I ever write a book about that team, that's where it, that's where it would start. The fight, at, scene, yes. the fight at the plush clay. Yeah, if you make a movie about that team, it starts with Joey Dorsey punching somebody and D. Rose just sort of leapfrogging mm-hmm. a fence. He was a different dude. He was. Um, but he was not a top 10 all-time one and done. No, I don't think so either. I would have him lower and, and definitely lower than the guy that was eighth on the list that was published at CBSSports.com. And that's Greg Oden. Because G- Greg Oden was statistically better mm-hmm. and also went to the title game of the NCAA tournament just like Derrick Rose. So I would have Oden ahead of Rose, clearly. I've got Oden ninth on my list. Consensus second team All-American did not win freshman of the year because Durant won it. Um, it was a was a really good player. Remember, he had uh, wrist issues, played 32 out of 39 games that season. Ohio State was a one seed, lost in the title game, averages 15.7 points, 9.6 rebounds, 8.2 win shares. A very good freshman whose placement on this list anywhere between, honestly, 8 and 14, I think is debatable. I've got him 9 overall, and I, that means I have it 8. And if you've been watching on YouTube, you saw the name. Someone who did not make our list that needs to be on it. I've mm-hmm. got John Wall 8th. Consensus first team All-American and the freshman of the year. 16.5 points, 6.5 assists. 4.3 rebounds. Remember what John Wall was in college? 1.8 steals for a 35 and 3 Kentucky team that was a one seed. Also had cousins, not on my list, but also would be in a top 20. I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, helped the rebirth of, of UK basketball. That was Calipari's first season. He was a blur of a player. He was a ton of fun. I think it's borderline on our inarguable that John Wall is a top 10 one and done player. Uh, so I've got him eight. So I've got Trey Young eight. Or sorry, Trey Young seven. John Wall 8, Odin 9 in that order. So when I was looking at the list that was published at CBSSports.com, I had two guys that I think could have reasonably put on the list, but I don't know exactly who I would take off. Just for people who might be wondering, on our list, it went 7, Derrick Rose, 8, Greg Odin, 9, Trey Young, 10, Lonzo Ball. And I have two guys that I think should be on there, and I would definitely, I think I would put them on there ahead of Lonzo. One is John Wall, for all the reasons you just mentioned. The other... Kevin Love. They're both on my list. Uh, we will. We will. Love is on my list. Um, you will have him higher than I do. We can get to Love right now if you'd like. I mean, I se- Kevin Love averaged seventeen and a half points, ten point six rebounds, shot fifty six percent from the field for a team that made the Final Four. Yes. Yes. If if you were, I, I didn't quite know where to put Love. He was a consensus first teamer. I've got him fourteenth. All right, I put him fourteenth, and I. The reason why I have Lonzo Ball one higher because Lonzo won freshman of the year. Kevin Love did not. But Love had 23 double-doubles, was the Pac-10 player of the year. uh, Was his... Oh, by the way, here's the outrageous thing. His win shares are 11.29. Now, if you're not familiar with the stat, go ahead and look up. I'm not going to, you know, bog this podcast down with that. Kevin Love has the best win share stat in all of college basketball since they tracked this in the mid-90s. He's number one. He's number one. So if anything, I'm willing to listen to the argument that at 14, I have him too low. However, I'll explain. You'll understand why I've got a few guys ahead of him overall. But Kevin Love, um, yeah, man. And his story, and that's that's before I got to CBS, that's, I, I want to say the first time, I, I'm not even kidding, I think the first time I ever read Gary Parish, mm-hmm. I never even told GP, I'm almost positive it was like a Kevin Love column that you wrote. And it might have been around, remember, he got really harassed by Oregon fans. That might have been it. But I, I'm almost positive. that's, Or at least that's the first time I can remember reading your byline at what I, was 
CBSSportsLine.com. But he was highly hyped and absolutely delivered. And I'm not even getting into the whole like full court chess pass shit. That just <laughs> seemed to be like half the story every time we talked about Kevin Love. In general, he was an incredible player, and the Final Four is no small thing. Yeah, um, I spent a lot of time with Kevin back then. Um, there was one controversial deal. I think he played for like an a. <sighs> get it all confused now, but he played for maybe a Nike team on the grassroots circuit, but he wanted to go to Sonny's camp, Sonny Vaccaro's camp, the ABCD camp. And so he went against Nike's wishes. And this was like a big deal. Anyway, I end up at the cheesecake factory in Teaneck, New Jersey, or somewhere close to Teaneck, New Jersey with Kevin and his family. Like I went to dinner with them uh, one day during the deal. And I just remember that, they were on the phone nonstop with Nike and like bouncing back. Like Nike was still trying to get him to pull out. It was something that was, a, it was like a problem. It was a thing. So I remember that um, went out. I went out to LA for one of the OJ Mayo, Kevin love games, uh, USC, UCLA, and ended up at a beach boys concert with Kevin love. Okay. That's a, They're not the Beach Boys I recognize. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian wasn't there, but the Brian's other one. not there. I yeah. agree with. I Don't agree with. You started on that, but Kevin's uncle was there, and so and uh, who? John Stamos played. Of course, played drums. It was it was like it was a private like a private function in L.A. And I forget how it happened. Like I think his mom or his dad was like, "Hey, why don't you just come to? You want to go to the Beach Boys show tonight?" I do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So how do you how do you say no to that? Of course. And then, and then me and me and Jeff Goodman one night played blackjack with Kevin like till seven, like late, late, like nobody remembers getting up from the table. Um, so I've been around him a lot. I really like him. Um, but going back to what he was in college, I think, and I know I see here that you have Lonzo ball ahead of Kevin love. There's an argument to be made. I think I would have Kevin a, a, ahead of Lonzo. Okay. I'll get to Lonzo in a second, but I'll, I, we haven't talked about my guy on 10. So refresher Trey seven, John wall, eight, Greg Ogan, nine, I got Cade Cunningham at 10 consensus oh, wow. first team, all American, the freshman of the year. Like we what national freshman of the year. I, I, I put a, an emphasis on that with a lot of players um, got Ohio, Oklahoma state to its best seed in 16 years. Averages 20.1 points per game, 6.2 boards, three and a half assists in a COVID impacted season, which I think is maybe affects it a little bit lost in the second round to Oregon state. Not a great uh, exit, but that's the case with the number of the players on this, on this, um, it also like his play was so good. Like it led to him being the no brainer, number one pick. So, and he was tremendous. I Kate Cunningham to me, it, it was not easy to put him 10th, but I edge, I have Derek Rose 11th, Kate Cunningham to me, the entire package and what he did. I had him narrowly ahead of Derek Rose at 11, um, number 12, Marvin Bagley, the third consent mm -hmm. consensus, first team, all American. Now his career is a little bit, uh, overshadowed because of what Zion did a year later. Uh, but Contessa's first team All-American, 21 points a game, 11 rebounds, 61.4% uh, shooter on a second-seeded Duke team that lost in overtime to Kansas in the Elite Eight. And so many Duke freshman records that Bagley set. Again, Zion just knocked them all down a year later. Bagley was outrageous. He was extremely good. I've seen a couple mentions of RJ Barrett in the comments here. Bagley was a better one and done player in my estimation than Barrett. Barrett was literally my last cut. So I'm doing a top 15 
Barrett was 16. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, the list gets crowded there. But I've got Kate at 10, Rose at 11. Bagley, I'll just finish this up, GP, and then you can take it. I've got Lonzo 13. And the reason why I have him ahead of love was the freshman of the year. Led the nation in assists. 14.6 points per game, 6.0 rebounds, 1.8 steals, shot. Lonzo Ball was a point guard, shot 73% from two-point range on a third-seeded UCLA team that lost to Kentucky in the Sweet 16. I know, Kentucky fans, you want to have, like, in that post that we put up, that uh, our social team put up, there was a lot of, like, where's De'Aaron Fox? Hey, how about this? Malik Monk got second-team nods, not De'Aaron Fox, although I was higher on Fox the whole year. Those guys had wonderful one-and-done seasons. They... Both of them, respectfully, did not have top 15 in my estimation. I've got Bagley 12, Lonzo 13. Again, consensus first-team All-American for Lonzo. Kevin Love, 14, consensus first-team All-American. And then I've got another freshman of the year, Jabari Parker. Consensus first-team All-American, freshman of the year, 19.1 points, 8.7 rebounds on a Duke team seated second. That loss to Mercer in the first round of the tournament. But I go Parker. He was really, really, he was a really, really good player just barely beating out RJ Barrett. And then it pained me, but ultimately I can't say he was a top 15 one and done player. I had Stefan Marbury. Those were my two closest cuts with shouts to guys like Fox monk, D'Angelo Russell, Deandre Ayton. Like they were all very, very good. But my, my list finishes out Rose Bagley ball, love Jabari Parker. So I, uh, I took the list that was published by CBSSports.com and, you know, 10 players and Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Carmelo, Anthony, all definite first ballot Naismith Memorial Hall of Famers. You agree with that, right? Yes. Can D Rose get there? MVP, three time All Star, thirty eight and two in college, or just not enough? I think that is a fascinating debate, and I'm not. Now it's the Naismith. It's everything. I'm right. not convinced he's going to be a first ballot guy. I'm not either. Um, but obviously, injuries derailed that. Um, on the injury related topic, Zion is a byproduct of that right now. Mm-hmm. Greg Oden was undeniably an injury casualty. And it looks like Lonzo Ball might be one too. Yep. And then you get to guys who are good, but maybe not Hall of Fame good, but maybe we'll see. Still young, Trey Young. We'll see, right? Right. And then Okafor and Beasley were NBA bust. Uh, are those the only two? Of the yeah. ten that the the, 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 there, yeah. the list that, that, that the list pub, I would say yeah, those are the only two that and were actual like, bust for just for for playing then, reasons. If you expand out my list, um, Parker wasn't a bust. He just wasn't what you know he was expected to be. And then Bagley, eh, Jerry still Bagley, out. Bagley's a bust. He is. Yeah, you want to bust him? All right, you bust. I him. mean, he is. I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, I, <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wish he wasn't. I I was the one saying he should be the number yeah. one pick in the draft. I would prefer him not to be a bust, but he he clearly is. I, and to anyone that's listening to this, probably under the age of takes thirty three or thirty four, um, Stephon Marbury was freaking just. <laughs> he was he was he was tune in factor immediately, um, and I remember him going to the NBA and that being the first time. And you know, I was a young young kid back then, but I watched him and thinking like, why is he going? He just like he's going already. This isn't what's supposed to happen. And then that's you know you kind of learn things as you uh, as you grow up, if you will. And that's when I started learning. Oh, he's going because he's going to make a lot of money. He doesn't have to stay in college for his second year. So um, Marbury would rank among my six or seven favorite one and done players to watch in general. But 
statistically, he's just not quite there. But uh, my thanks to Carmelo Anthony for choosing this week to retire. It's a relatively slow one. We're going to a college hoops news in a second here. But I did enjoy. I mean, I I, I thought about this for a good two three hours. I kind of dug in when did a few uh, YouTube dives GP and uh, it's obviously highly debatable and we will I know that there will be um, particularly Duke and Kentucky fans because they have the most of these that want to get in here and, and rearrange the order but if you really take into account and kind of blend it all their accomplishments freshman of the year awards stats what they you know how good they were I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty comfortable with my list I wonder if Kate at 10 is going to be somewhat semi-controversial but that's the one I like he wasn't I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been on my he radar flashy one freshman of the year, consensus first team All American, really good stat line, and his program got his best seed. It hadn't been a four seed or better in sixteen years. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been on my radar. I'm just saying when I was looking at the list and thinking of yeah. people who weren't on the top ten list at CBSports.com, I never even thought of him. He he like he genuinely he just did not pop into my head. Yeah, and I think part of that's because he just just of his game. So I'm hey, listen, I'm open to I'm open to feedback, but uh, but there we have it. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Before we get out of here, a couple of developments worth noting um, over the past couple of days. Charles Bediaco is done at Alabama, reportedly, Mm -hmm. despite the likelihood that he could go unselected in the 2023 NBA draft. So that's not a great development for the Crimson Tide. I dropped him down to, I think, 18th in the top 25 and one. And then big news earlier today, Kevin McCuller Jr. going back to Kansas. I already had the Jayhawks number one in the top 25 and one, even without him. With him, does everybody have to move Kansas to number one? I know you, you know how I feel about this. Yeah, nobody, no, no, everybody doesn't have to do anything. People can do whatever they want. But like, mm-hmm. is the, let me just ask you, if you had to rank teams today, based on Kansas's current roster and everybody else's current projected roster, would you have anybody other than Kansas number one? I can't make an argument I for it. I think I'd go Kansas number one, but yeah. if, if I, I, you know what? And I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not above doing this. If we get to October and it's like, everyone's got can, I'm just going to fade it because history has shown that, you know, near unanimous number ones, if not unanimous number ones, it does not work out that way in the, in the long run for the most part. So I will zag if that's the case. But as we sit here today, I mean, McCuller joining this and coming back is, I mean, they fi- they have real front court uh, depth here because they get Dickinson, you get KJ Adams back. And how Self actually winds up playing those three is going to be, is going to be interesting. Um, McCuller was a full-time starter last season. Average 11 and seven and a good passer obviously should should be a top five to 10 defender again. I mean, he's he was a finalist for Naismith defensive 
player of the year. I think the past two seasons, I know it was this past season, but I think he might've even been in there two seasons ago. Um, getting him back is, is humongous, uh, for Kansas is just general outlook and, and overall depth. Um, I know he didn't have a great combine. You pod, you potted with KB earlier in the week. And, uh, I know he's, he couldn't help but notice that, you know, there are some players that just didn't, that didn't show out particularly well. And apparently McCullough was one of those guys, but he gets to go back and be a major factor on a team he's familiar with, with the coach he loves playing for. And for a team that's, I, I think now Kansas is destined to be the number one team in the AP preseason top 25 poll. We'll see if they are there with every other mainstream ranking system, be it humans or predicted metrics. But that's, that's uh that's a big time addition there. And Kansas has, has its roster ready and stuff. They got great. I mean, between Adams McCullough and Duan Harris, those are going to be three of the 25 best defenders in the sport next season. So get ready. It's going to be, you know, same old, same old. Kansas is going to be competing for a national title, and they'll probably finish atop the Big 12 standings. And they, uh, they also have an All-American in the middle in Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> for Alabama, uh, there is a not unrealistic scenario where they could have, at one point, reasonably expected to bring back everybody who averaged at least five points per game last season except for Brandon Miller, because you're always losing Brandon Miller. But then Noah Clowney establishes himself as a likely first-round pick, so he goes, understandably so. Uh, Jaden Bradley enters the transfer portal. He's now at Arizona, and now you lose Bediaco, even though it's not clear that he's going to be picked at all. That's a tough break for, for Nate Oates. You could go from bringing back everybody except Brandon Miller that mattered from a team that was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Now... Alabama losing four of the top six. So let's refresh our listeners on this Bama situation. Do you have what is what is who do they have here? What's what's their what's their returning situation at the moment right now? Because you said you still have them. You said you dropped them to eighteen. You still think they're top twenty? It's debatable. I mean, I I I know Nate Oates' reputation took a beating this year, but I still think you know I can take that and set it aside and say he's one of the best college basketball coaches in the country. So I'll trust him to have a good team again. But I mean, I'm assuming Quinterly's back. Javon Quinterly's back. I'm assuming uh, Mark Sears is back. They bring Ryland Griffin back. It's not great. It's not great. um, Like we'll see uh, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. That's like, that was considered a a pretty good transfer. We'll see. I mean, it might be Mark Sears came from a mid-major and he's doing well. Um, With Betty Ako gone. I would not say that is a top 25 outfit heading into the season, but on balance, uh, Oates has done obviously very well uh, from a win-loss perspective since he's gotten there. But losing him, I do think, is is relatively significant because I, I, yeah. I actually thought his his plus potential as a defender for that team was right. was worth uh, we talk about win shares like <laughs> it could have been worth like three four wins uh, with how good he was so. Um, I'd fade him at the moment, and I don't know. We'll see if who they get. Like they're going to have to replace him in some way. Who's the guy that's going to come in? What transfer are they going to get? I don't know. But that's you know, Alabama, Kansas going in two very different directions there, and the SEC overall. You know, I'd put um, what you got Kentucky ahead, you got Arkansas ahead, you've got. There's got to be someone that's that's got to. I've got I've got I've got Alabama I've got Alabama now fifth I've got Alabama fifth in the SEC behind Arkansas, Kentucky, 
Tennessee, and Texas A&M. A&M, yeah, those four. Um, see what happens with Kobe Brown with Missouri. They'll be in there. Mississippi State also got um, they got really, really good news uh, with Tolu coming back. So, yeah, I, I feel like Alabama's spectrum here next season, as we sit here today, yeah, uh, you know, near the end of May, you told me they were anywhere from four to ten. Frankly, I'd buy it with with the roster as is right now. All right, that's fifty three minutes. I think that's a nice off season podcast. I think it's a great off season podcast, and uh, yeah, I think we can go. Rest. Oh, in by peace. the way, breaking rest news. In, rest rest in, peace. in peace. I Tina just Turner. I just got two text messages about it. So Tina Turner, a legend, a legend. Word uh, word coming down here from multiple reputable uh, news services here. So uh, dead at the age of eighty three. Tina Turner. She's a uh, familiar. Read up. She's from right down the street. Is that a fact? She's from Brownsville, Tennessee. It's like not far from here. Yeah. She's uh, from the area. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Huge, huge, huge musical legacy. Tina Turner. Rest in peace. Yeah. Fascinating life. Not always so easy. You know? Nope. Yeah. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening, watching the Allen College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe to uh, the podcast. Anywhere you subscribe to such things, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate it, review it. There's more of us than there are of them that should be reflected in the comments. I thank you in advance for knocking that out. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. (laughs) 